Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. We hope you find this message encouraging. We've been working on a sermon since the first of the year talking about our 2020 vision. And basically, uh, if you look at it, I've compared it many, many times during this series and before to uh, vision as far as the physical realm goes. Uh, sometimes we have trouble with our vision. Sometimes we don't have 2020 vision. That 2020 vision is pretty much that you're seeing things like you should see them. And sometimes there are things that cause us not to see that. We can be nearsighted, we can be farsighted, we can have astigmatism, we can have presbyopia, uh, which is old eyes. And if you're my age, or around that, you know what that is. That's whenever your arms aren't long enough or short enough to be able to see things. And uh, so it, uh, presbyopia simply means old eyes. They get tired and they get old and they don't want to focus far or near. And uh, ultimately it comes down to this. If you look at it in the physical realm, only about 30, 35%, according to where you look, of people worldwide have 20-20 vision. So what does that mean? We need to have our vision corrected. If you look at that in a spiritual sense, then only probably about 30 people, 30% of the people uh, have a correct vision. So what we need are the spectacles of heaven. We need to see things the way God sees them. Uh, and I have prayed that many, many times. Lord, I, I'm looking at this situation. And this is what it looks like to me. But would you please just put the spectacles of heaven in front of my eyes. Let me see things the way you see it. Fact is, years ago, I made a note in the, one of the fly leaves of my Bible. Did you know that they put those fly leaves in there so you can make notes? Amen. If there's a scripture that you're wanting to memorize and you have a hard time remembering the street address to that, you can write it down back there. Or if something you hear just really just hits home with you, you can write it down back there. But years ago, I wrote in one of the fly leaves of my Bible, let my heart be broken by the things that break your heart. Because, you know, there are things that bother me that maybe the Lord sees it a different way. But ultimately, I want to see things like he sees them. So we need our vision corrected. And we've been looking at during this series, the thing the Lord laid on my heart before the first of the year was looking at Elijah and Elisha. And we've talked about that in length, so I'm not going to bore you with that. You can go back and catch one of the messages before this one on a podcast. Uh, Zach is very good about putting those online. So you can go to our Facebook page, you can go uh, to SoundCloud and find us there. FWC Beaumont will get you there either place. But we've been looking at Elijah and Elisha, and two very well-known prophets in the Old Testament. And simplified version is this. Elijah, in his own right, was probably one of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. And we know circumstantial evidence anyway is that he will be one of those two prophets one of the two witnesses that are talked about in the book of revelation that will come back and ultimately stand in the last day why because he never died he was taken up into heaven by a, a chariot of fire so he's going to be one of those two witnesses who's the other one that never died in the bible very good enoch the only other person in the Bible that never, that never died. And all of you are going, thank you, Lisa. <laughs> Enoch and Elijah are most likely, circumstantial evidence is, they are the only two people that never died. 
Okay, Enoch was there, he was walking with God, and all of a sudden he was not. He was translated to be with the Lord, and the chariot of fire came down and got Elijah. So, ultimately, he had a standoff, you know, all that thing, Mount Carmel, great victory for the Lord, but then he got fearful. And we're not, gonna, we're not even going to go in the avenue of that he faced off with 750 prophets of Baal and came out successful, and one woman struck fear into his heart. We're not even going to go there, okay? <laughs> but ultimately, he had that great victory. He kind of had a pity party and went out in the desert, and he's, he's having this pity party, and, oh, Lord, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one that still serves you. And the Lord corrected his vision and let him know that he wasn't the only one. And so he went and called a, a, a protege, if you will, somebody to follow in his footsteps, and it was Elisha. And... Uh, Elisha, of course, we know was, was learning from Elijah, spent many, many years with him. When Elijah was taken up into heaven with that chariot of fire, the last thing that they talked about was Elijah said, tell me what you want from me. My time is coming near. Would you tell me what you want me to do for you? And Elisha told Elijah, I want a double portion of your, of your anointing. And Elijah says, you've asked a tough thing. Number one, it wasn't his to give. It would be up to the Lord who that mantle fell on. But Elijah's taken up to heaven. The mantle falls. Elijah, Elisha, knows that therefore the, the office of prophet is fallen to him. And he goes back to the river that, that, that Elijah just parted. And he never puts the mantle on. But he folds it up and he strikes, holds it up to heaven and he said, where is the God of Elijah strikes the waters as we know the waters parted again. He walked across. That was the symbolic thing that that anointing had indeed fallen his way. My whole premise with this 2020 vision is not that same question of where is the God of Elijah. We know where he's at. He's doing really, really well. Amen. But my question is this, where are the Elijahs and Elishas of God? This is a day and a time when we need people to step up and stand up for what the Lord stands for. And we've talked about it last week. Uh, one, one of the things, we're looking at Elijah and Elisha, and, and what, is it, what does it mean to be an Elijah or Elisha? Last week we talked about you stand up for what you believe. And we kind of went through the process. Sometimes it's, it's easier to reverse engineer it. In, in other words, we talked about last week, what would, it, what would it take for you to give up your faith? Can it be bought? Can, can things in our life be bought? Can we stand up for what we believe even when it's going to cost us something? Now this week I want to look at that they listen for the voice of God. Number one, they stood up for what they believed, but number two, they, they listened for the voice of God. So let's pray real quick, and we'll get into the message. Father, thank you for this word. It is so deep. And Lord, we could look at it over and over and over and over again, and every time we looked at it, we'd find something new. Thank you for opening it up to us, and we do pray that you would give us those spectacles of heaven to see the world around us, to see your word, and maybe a new light, Lord, that we could... We could give it a high place like it deserves in our life. And Lord, would you speak to us through this word today? And we thank you for doing that. We're looking forward to the great things you're going to do. And we just give you praise for it all. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. 
So if we're listening for the voice of God, the, the logical next question would be, does God still speak? Because ultimately, if we look at the Word, which would be a good place to start, if you look at the Word of God and you start looking for God saying something, you're going to go exactly to the third verse in the Bible, Genesis 1, 3, in our Bible. So you're going to go through verse 1, verse 2, and in verse 3, what happens? God speaks. He said, let there be, and it was. Okay? You can go all the way through that Bible, and you're going to find, if you look up, according to what translation you're doing a search on, but if we'll just kind of average it out here. If you look for that phrase, God said, or the Lord said, or Jesus said, or the Holy Spirit said, somebody take a guess how many times you're going to find that. 1,200 plus times. If you add into your search, God says, the Lord says, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit says, not said, but says, you're going to add at least another thousand times. So 2,200 times the Lord said, God said, the Holy Spirit said, or says, and all those things. If you add in then, on top of that, Jesus said, Jesus says, you're going to add another 250 times at least onto that. So over 2,500 times in our Bible, God says something. Amen. Now, there are people, branches in our family tree. You, you've, heard, you've been here long enough, you've heard me refer to the branches in our family tree. We are in a family tree of Christianity. People that believe that Christ is the Messiah. People that believe that Christ paid an atonement on that cross for our sins. But past that, we start getting some, some branches and so, uh, not necessarily saying, you know, anything about, we won't get into the finer details of that. But there are some branches in our family tree that says God doesn't do that anymore. That God does not still speak. That in that day and time, especially in the New Testament day, whenever things were kind of going wonky, whenever there was sexual immorality, and people kind of doing things their own way, and that they were putting money above anything else. Oh, wait a minute. Was that then or today? Amen? So my, my proposition to you is, why on earth would God stop speaking today? If he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the Bible does say that, then why on earth would suddenly he stop speaking when we need him the very most? Amen? If it's all the way through the Bible, from the third verse in the Bible, and I, I forgot to tell you that when it ends is the next to the last verse in the book of Revelation. So from the third verse in the Bible to the next to the last verse in the Bible, God is speaking. And there is absolutely nothing in there that says God has stopped speaking. Now some of the branches in our family tree will use a, a couple of obscure verses to say this is their proof that God has stopped speaking. One of them is 1 Corinthians, where it says, now we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But then, when we see him face to face, when that which is perfect has come, and we see him face to face, that prophecies will fail. 
and tongues will cease. Well, anytime I'm confronted by somebody that says God doesn't speak anymore and that that's their proof, I say, okay, then tell me the last time you saw him face to face because I want to hang out with you for a little while. <laughs> Amen? I, nor you, nor anybody that's alive on this earth has ever seen him face to face. The only time we're going to get to do that is when we get to go be with him, whether that's by, by way of the grave or by way of the rapture, whenever he decides that Jesus is coming back. So in the meantime, yes, we know in part, and we prophesy in part, and we don't know everything. That's why we need the Holy Spirit working in our lives to speak to us. That's the agent through which he works, the Holy Spirit, to speak to us. Now, my, again, there, there is no proof in the Bible that you can take, take me to that says that God has stopped speaking. Fact is, the, the two differences, if you ever hear these words, you'll know what they mean. On the end of the spectrum where they say, branches in our family trees say God doesn't speak anymore, it's called cessationism. In other words, that somewhere down the line it ceased. We would be on the other end of the spectrum, and that's continuationism. And that is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he spoke back then, why would he limit himself to, to not speak today? And we believe that that continues, that it is still a continuing process that God speaks to us. fact is, I'm so convinced of it, I think God's speaking all the time. I think the problem lies with us. And I, I've used the example before, right now as we're sitting in this room, you can't see him, but there are cellular ways that are entering this room and entering our bodies for better or worse and there are cellular waves that are entering this room and because i've got the right kind of receiver to pick those up i can look at that and say hey i got two bars right now how many ever said that yeah i got good signal got at least two bars it's something we can't see but yet we know it's there does it just freak you out every time you use your cell phone? Man, I just can't believe I'm holding this little box next to my ear and I can talk to somebody that's miles away. But you start talking about God speaking? And man, everybody, woo! They've lost their marbles. But ultimately, and, and I have said this so many times, that's more real. God speaking to us is more real than the cellular waves that are entering this room. Why? Because he pre-existed time. Before the foundation of the world, he knew where we were going to be. He knew before he made this earth, before he spoke those words, let it be, he knew I'd be standing here on February the 2nd pointing my cell phone. That's mind-blowing. To know that he already knows everything about what's happening. He said before the foundation of the world, he knew whose name was going to be written in the Lamb's book of life. He knew he was going to make a decision to follow him. Mind blown. But yet we, we dismiss that. We don't take it seriously whenever he begins to speak to us. So I kind of went through it, made a partial list. This is only a partial list. Of all the ways that I could think of that God spoke, speaks to us or has spoken to people, number one is an audible voice. Now, I would say that's on the rare end of the spectrum. If you've ever heard an audible voice, I would love to hear about it. There's one time that I heard an audible voice from the Lord, and it was in a dream. And it was one word. Yes, 
He knew what I was dealing with. He knew it was a yes or no answer. And I'll tell you, if you want to hear about this dream, a little, little odd, but I heard his voice, and it was just one simple word. And I could guarantee you I could identify that voice again if I ever heard it. And I woke up out of a sound sleep knowing exactly what I should do. Now, in the Bible, the Lord spoke in an audible voice to people. I still think he can. If he doesn't, it's a limit on his part or a limit on our part from not hearing. Over and over and over again, in the Word, he says, He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says. So if we're not hearing from him, the problem lies with, with us or the fact that he is limiting to himself not to speak in that audible voice. Now, he still speaks in audible voices through the, the gift of tongues. And somebody can be given that gift of tongues and they can give a, a message to the church and that can be interpreted and that can come forth as a word from the Lord. It's not necessarily an audible voice from him, but it is the audible voice of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, then, so if tongues and interpretation work together. If there's tongues, there ought to be an interpretation. Amen? Paul goes into great detail. If, if tongues wasn't a, still in a thing, then Paul wasted a whole lot of his time in the Bible explaining how it ought to work in church. He said if there's going to be a message in tongues, let it be by two or the most three, and then only with an interpretation. And if there's not an interpretation, then sit down. Amen? There ought to be an interpretation if there is a message in tongues. So, an audible voice. In the Old Testament, and even partially up into the New, there was a, a process through which God spoke, and answered, I'll put it this way, it was more of an answer, and that was the Urim and Thummim. You may have never heard of that. The Urim and Thummim was a huge thing in the Old Testament. fact is, it was the high priest that had the Urim and Thummim. Now, we don't even know what they are. We don't know what they look like. There's a lot of estimates, I guess you'd say, on what they look like or what they were. But if you read, the high priest had an ephod that he put on before he put on the breastplate. And, and, and all that, all the garb that went on with being a high priest. And in that was to be sewn a pocket for the Urim and Thummim to be put into. And it was to rest over the heart. Now, we don't know whether that was centered up in the chest or over the actual place where the heart is, but that pocket was to be over the heart of the high priest. And then under a breastplate. So there's, there's people that sum up that, it, well, it had to be something that they cast lots with or they did this or that bit. But it was under the, all that garb that the high priest wore. My estimation is it was something that vibrated or moved or heated up or whatever whenever they would be seeking the will of the Lord. Most of the time, if you look at it in the Old Testament, it was yes or no questions. That they were either seeking yes or no from the Lord, and should we go out and fight the enemy? And the Lord would answer through whatever that means was. In the process of time and history, we've lost out what that was. We have no idea. Some people say it was a, like two plates, and one had yes on it, one had no. And the high priest would reach in behind everything and draw out the, the, the tile, basically, that had the answer on it. We don't know. But the Lord worked through that. We even know that in the New Testament, whenever Judas had died, when I hanged himself, that whenever they decided there needed to be a replacement apostle, that they cast lots. And the lots fell on Matthias. So we don't know if that was still Urim and Thummim, 
or whatever it was, but we don't know, but the Lord worked in that process. What I'm telling you, and the reason I'm talking about this, is the Lord always uses some different means by which to, an to answer us or to speak to us. And so we don't need to get hung up on all the means. Hey, the Lord even used a donkey. And if he can use a donkey, maybe, just maybe, he could use me or you. Amen? So we go on. He used the prophets. Are there still prophets today? Yes. Are we supposed to take every word just like it is the word of God? No. Paul says, test the prophets. Try the prophets. See if they be of God. See, here's the thing. A prophet is very rarely ever going to give you a word that doesn't line up with what God has already put into your heart. Amen? He's already dropped that seed in there, and usually all it is is a confirmation. He uses, in a whole lot of times, this thing right here. One of the five solas. Christ alone, by faith alone, through grace alone, according to the word alone. Now, I think we would tend to be more, instead of solo scriptura, we'd be more prima scriptura. In other words, the, the scripture is premier. Everything ought to be looked at through the lens of the word. But there are still continuing to be open revelations, I think. So, the written word. He speaks to our hearts. Now, how can that happen? It happens a lot of different ways. It's, it's, it's that feeling. Boy, that's one of those things that's caught, not taught. You can't teach somebody to know what it's like to hear from the Lord. It, it's caught. You, you tell them you should be expecting to hear from the Lord, and how he speaks to you is going to be unique to you. But I know... I can stand here, I can't explain it, I can't put definition words on it, all this kind of stuff, but I know when the Lord's speaking to me. In fact, is, he says this, my sheep know my voice. That's what Jesus said. And, and they'll not follow another. You know what the voice of the Lord stand, sounds like. And, and, and then sometimes, even if you take into consideration whenever Jesus appeared to the disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, and he was disguised, okay? He, he wasn't showing himself to be Jesus. He was just a traveler walking along with them. And then when it came down to it, he, he gave them uh, bread and wine, and all of a sudden their eyes opened, oh, oh, and poof, he was gone. Okay, but what did they say after that? <laughs> we should have known it was him. Did not our hearts burn within us? They knew what he was saying was correct, and they knew it was the Lord. They were just blinded to it because of their sorrow, because of their grief, at losing their friend. And so did not our hearts burn within us? There are times when you hear something, when you read something in that word, when somebody comes up and speaks a word of confirmation to you, and your heart burns within you. And you know that you know that you know it was the Lord. Confirmation of events. And believe me, this list is not all inclusive. I just, I just the other day, as I was pondering this message, I began to, you know, I said, we, we're going to talk about this. The Lord still speaks. So how does he speak? But one of the big ways that he speaks to us in our day and time is confirmation of events. Easier way to say it would be open doors and closed doors. 
If something is in your heart, your heart's burning within you because of something you read in this word. The Holy Spirit has ministered to you in some way. Somebody has come up and spoken a a confirmation to you, a, a word of prophecy or whatever. And you say, this is what I'm gonna do, but all the doors are closed. Guess what? Sometimes that's a confirmation because the Lord answers in different ways. Sometimes it is, yes, it is go. Whatever it is, Lord, should we go and do this? Go! That's the answer. All the doors are open. Everything's just, I mean, every light is green. Everything you're, you're thinking you're supposed to do, the doors just fly open in front of you. You have encountered things like that, I am more than sure. That's go. Sometimes the answer is no. You know, Paul, the Apostle Paul, wanted to go into, into Asia and minister the word. And, and the Lord said, no, every door closed. He couldn't go there. He wanted to go. And sometimes we tend to deify these people in the Bible. And we think, oh, man, the Apostle Paul, he was all that in a bag of chips. He was just like us. And he wanted to go and take the gospel to Asia. And the Holy Spirit said, no. Sometimes that's because the timing's not right. Maybe it's that you heard the voice of the Lord, but everything's not lined up yet. That also kind of drifts over into woe. So sometimes it's go, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's whoa, pump the brakes there, sporty. Getting ahead of yourself. Because sometimes when, when our heart burns within us, we are primed and ready to go and do whatever it is right that moment. I knew a guy one time, he got saved one weekend, the next weekend, he felt like the Lord had called him to be an evangelist. He quit his job, sold his house, bought a camper. And guess what? It was time to pump the brakes there, sporty. (laughs) Let everything happen in God's time. Sometimes, and I in the past have been one of those people that has been the world's worst about this. I think I see where the Lord's headed and I want to help him out. Amen? He don't need any help. He don't need my help, especially. He can work it all out on his own. And I have learned through the years in the process of time, anytime you feel like the Lord's wanting you to do this, you say, okay, Lord, I'm hearing you. I've got things, I'm I'm reading you loud and clear, but you're going to have to work this out. You're going to have to make all the doors open. You're going to have to make all the right pieces. Not that we're putting out a fleece in front of him, but we're just saying, Lord, this is your deal, not mine. You'll work it out, and I'm ready to walk. As soon as you open that door, I'm going to step through it. But I'm going to wait till you open it all the way. I'm not going to just wait for a little crack and bull my way in there. Sometimes it's through individuals around us. It could be a friend. could be a family member. could be a spouse. could be somebody that's close enough. See, all of us need somebody that's close enough to us to speak truth into our life. Every one of us needs somebody that can walk up to us and say, hey, man, you got a booger on the side of your nose right there. And, and nobody say another word about it. Because, I mean, that, that's sometimes world's worst scenario to me is that you got a booger on the side of your nose and nobody loves you enough to tell you. Amen? And so all of us need people that are close enough to speak truth in love 
It's not just truth. It's truth in love. And sometimes the Lord uses those people that are close enough to speak truth in love to us to speak into our lives the word of the Lord. Hey, I know this is what you got on your mind. I know this is what you got on your heart. But I feel like, you know, and I'm not telling you to say this. I'm just telling you if that's what you're reading and somebody, hey, I just feel like the Lord says pump the brakes. He's going to work it out. You can get too far ahead of this. You can get out in front of the curve. Wait for the Lord. You know, that's, that's a statement that's in the Word many, many times. Wait for the Lord, and you'll see His work. And then I wrote down, even a donkey. <laughs> that's my last thing on the list. And now realize this is not an all-inclusive list because as I thought about it, I thought, I guarantee you there's somebody going to come up to me after the service and say, well, what about this one here? Because I, I guarantee you, you can probably think of different places in the Word how the Lord has worked in different ways and spoken in different ways. See, here's the thing. Just like with Jesus' miracles, just like how, how the Lord has done things all the way through the Word, there's, I dare say, never a time when He has worked the same way among the same people group ever. Every time He healed somebody, it was in a different way. To one lame man, he said, take up your bed and walk. To, to, to the blind person, go wash your eyes. To another one, he made mud, spit in, the, spit in the dust, made mud, and packed it in there where there were no eyeballs. Hey, if he made a whole man out of dust, you think he'd have a problem making some eyes out of dust? Amen? So what I'm telling you is, don't get hung up on how you hear the Lord. Just be listening. Just be open to whatever it is he's saying to you. He who has ears, let him hear what the Spirit has to say. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's point number one of a three-point sermon. So I'm not going to even attempt to go to point number two. We'll get it next week. I've learned not to get in a hurry whenever I feel like, especially when I feel like I've got something to say to the church and the Lord has has put it in my heart's been burning within me all week. I'll put it that way. And I feel like this is something we need to talk about. And so I, I told the Lord, I said, Lord, there's no way I can get through all this in one setting. So I'm going to just not be in a hurry. But here's the thing. The Lord speaks. He spoke, he speaks, and he's going to speak. The thing that we need to do is be attentive whether it's circumstance, the, the open or closed doors, whether it's by, by word of confirmation through someone around us, even a donkey that might walk up and say, hey, what are you doing? So maybe you're saying, oh, I'm listening to that right now. <laughs> but here's the deal. However the word of the Lord comes, be listening. Be sensitive. Because here's the thing. You know when you know that you know the Lord has spoken. And whatever means it is, there's sometimes, when I, I've talked about it before, sometimes I, I'll pick up a, a, maybe a, a book and I'll read something. Man, that really strikes a chord with me. And then I turn on the radio or listen to a podcast. And it's like, how did you read the same book I just read? And then I'll turn on the television or the radio and whoever it is is on there is saying the same thing. It's like, okay. 
reading you loud and clear. Tell me what to do. It happens in a myriad of ways, so many ways we can never count them. So don't expect it this way or that way. Just let your ears be sensitive to the Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we are listening. We do want to hear your voice. And whatever way it comes, in whatever form or fashion it might come our way, Lord, your word says that you spoke, you, you speak, and you still speak, I believe. So, Lord, would you touch us, your people? Yes, Lord, we're sinful. Yes, Lord, we miss the mark. Yes, Lord, we're less than perfect. But you have always used imperfect people to perform your perfect will. And all we're saying this morning is we want to be a part of that. Would you work in us and through us and for us? And as I've said so often, would you make us into something that looks a whole lot less like us and something that looks a whole lot more like you, Jesus? While every head's still bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, maybe you're just saying, Preacher, uh, the Lord has touched my heart and my heart is burning within me this morning and I need to make something right with him. Maybe I've been on that spectrum of things that says he doesn't speak anymore, and I realize this morning he's speaking right now. Maybe I just need to say sorry, Lord, and I'm listening. Or maybe you've never made any commitment to the Lord, but this morning you're saying, I want to make things right. I want to be in the kingdom, if that's you. And you say, preacher, I want you to pray with me. Would you lift your hand up and just say, I want to make things right? Yes. And just lift it up and back down. See that hand. See that hand. Anybody else? Very quickly. We're going to pray. You raised your hand and you say, I want to I make things right. Whether it's something that you feel like is really big or something that's so small. You know, the Lord doesn't graduate that. It's just that we missed it. So, Lord, would you forgive us? If you raise your hand, you can pray something like this. Just, Lord, I, I missed it. I, 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 I stand against you. I missed what you were saying. I missed what you were doing. Maybe I missed it in my attitude. Maybe I missed it in, in, in hesitating to listen. But, Lord, I want to make things right with you today. Would you forgive me for all those things? Would you come into my heart and into my life because I need you? Would you please forgive all those times? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died on that cross for me. You died for my sin. You died so that I could go free. You died so that I could go to heaven one day. Thank you, Lord. But you know where I'm at. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Would you direct me and fill me with your Holy Spirit? And I thank you for loving me. I thank you for saving me. And I just ask you that you'd use me in whatever way. And Lord, I thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.